Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. We are in a brand new series, uh, a couple of weeks in. This is part 3. I love, love, love the book of Ephesians. you know, in, in my 55 years of life and in my 27 years of ministry and pastoring, uh, it never gets old to see the hand of God at work. And uh, as you guys will recall, and, and here's what I'm doing. I'm making this all about Jesus, okay? It's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Can I get an Amen. Uh, if you will recall, now I'm giving God the glory for this, toward, toward fall of 2019, you remember me coming to you and saying 2020 is going to be a year? And, and we went into the 40 days of prayer preparing us for what God had in store for 2020. Now, I thought that 2020 was going to go like this. And I thought we were praying because we was about to take off and sail through the air, but 2020 kind of went like this, didn't it? And so prayer was even more important. We did the 40 days of prayer study, and then the pandemic hit, and the bottom fell out of everything, and we're still here. Uh, November of 2020, we began a study. Uh, I forgot what that was, but here's where I'm going with all this. Uh, in, in, in July, we began studying the book of Philippians, and we were studying about joy, and uh, a, a lot of still, a lot of stuff is still going on in our nation, in our country, and around the world. And uh, the Lord just put it upon our hearts to study about joy, no matter what, regardless of circumstances, regardless of what's taking place in life. We can experience and bask in the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And then out of there, God led us to the book of Ephesians to further prepare us for whatever is coming down the pike. And this is probably one of the most important books for a child of God that is in Scripture. I'm not saying it is the most important. I'm saying it's one of the most important books for any child of God to know and study because all throughout the book of Ephesians, you'll see this phrase, in Christ or in Him. And so the title of this series is, Who Do You Think You Are? You have to know who you are in order to know what to do. If you don't know who you are, you can be led astray by so many different folks and so many different beliefs and every wind of doctrines that comes along the way. But if you settle down, read Scripture, understand Scripture, believe Scripture, and read Scripture, when you know who you are, you can live the way God wants you to live, and you're steadfast and sure, and you're full of joy, and you're full of grace, and you're full of peace. And that's why we are, by God's leading, uh, doing this study in the book of Ephesians. So, so far, in the past two messages on the book of Ephesians, we've learned that believers are saved by the will of God. Paul makes that abundantly clear. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God. Now, in order to be an apostle, you have to be born again and saved. So what Paul is saying is, I appear before you today as an apostle of Jesus Christ, saved by the grace of God. And the only reason I'm saved and the only reason I'm serving God today is, it is the will of God. God, you today, as a believer, you're saved by and because of the will of God. We've learned that. And because that we have been saved by the will of God, our identity has changed. We are no longer known as sinners. We are now known as saints. We are saints because God says so. Don't argue with me about that. If you want to argue with anybody, you argue with Scripture, okay? God says that we're saints when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And because we've been supernaturally saved by the will of God, and because we are now saints, we are faithful. These are just the opening words of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints. He's very specific who he's writing to. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, so saved by the will of God, declared saints 
by the Word of God and the will of God. And because by the will of God we've been saved, we're now saints, and because we're saints and we're in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are faithful saints. Say, I'm a faithful saint this morning. Amen. And because of that, Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, just because we're saved, and just because the Word of God declares us to be saints, we're not yet perfect. Can I get an amen? We are not yet perfect. And so as we mess up, as we stumble, as we fall into infrequent and unintentional sin, God has in His reserve of heaven inexhaustible grace to cover and to forgive that unintentional and frequent sin. Aren't you glad for that? God's grace is abundant. Nowhere in Scripture does it teach that God's grace is permission to sin. Romans covers that clearly. If grace abounds, should we continue in sin? And Paul says, God forbid, no. Don't ever think that way. But just know that by the will of God you have been saved, and because you were saved, you are saints in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will live faithful life because, as Marvin and I was talking before the service started, listen, when you become a child of God, you become a new creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that what Scripture teaches us? Absolutely. So if you're brand new, you look different. You act different. You talk different. You think different. You treat people do, uh, different. You totally live different. And, and, when, and when that's not the case, that's not judging, that's observing. Now, if I showed up here this morning and began to tell you from the pulpit, guess what, church? I got a brand new car this morning. You're like, wow, congratulations. And then you see me pull out of here in my 2004 Titan, You're going to say, something's up with that preacher? He said he had a brand new vehicle. Maybe he's not driving it. But that's the only thing I ever drive. So you're like, something's up. Yeah, something's up. I lied. Right? I'm not mistaken. I lied. So when when we are in Christ Jesus, we become brand new. And you really don't have to tell anybody you're brand new. People see you're brand new, don't they? People see that your actions are brand new. People see that your words are brand new. People see the way you treat other people are brand new. People see you in the house of God when the family of God gathers together. You're faithful to that. Why? Because you love Jesus and you love His people because you are brand new. We're faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're not perfect yet. We're not perfect yet. And when we do sin, there's grace and there's forgiveness for us because we are in Christ Jesus. So recapping all of that, here's the question. Do you know who you are? Now that that, that could be a trick question. Well, I, I think I do, preacher, but where are you going with this? Based on based upon what I just told you in chapter one of Ephesians, verses one and two, are you convinced this morning of who you are? Are you by the will of God saved? If you are saved, do you know and believe because God said so that you are a saint? And are you faithful? Are you a faithful saint of God? And are you enjoying the grace and peace of Almighty God? Now if you know that and believe that, you can have joy. You can live in joy all of the time. You can live at peace all of the time. Because you know that as a saint of God, this world is not your home. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is just a temporary life that we're living and that our, our, our eternal home is in a place called heaven that Jesus has went away to prepare for us. And in like manner, the way he went away to prepare it for us, he's coming again. And he will come again and receive us unto himself that where he is, we will be also for all of eternity. And this is just temporary. And and as the Bible teaches, this life is just like a vapor. 
It appears for a short, short time, and then it vanishes away, and then we wake up in glory, and all is perfect for all of eternity. So we can stand what we must go through here in order to get there one day, can't we? And we can be full of joy and grace and peace and happiness and all those things. Do you know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, if you know who you are, by the will of God, saved a saint, living a faithful life, full of peace and joy and grace, are you living your life based upon those facts? I'm not talking about just putting it on a t-shirt and putting the t-shirt on and peeling the t-shirt off and just living defeated. I'm saying, are you living as who you are in your new identity in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you living life in God's intended, in God's intended abundant fullness according to your identity in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you still living a false identity given to you by Whoever, yourself, friends, enemies, worse yet, the devil, how are you living? How are you living? As I've stated several times in this study, in order to know who you are, most importantly to know whose you are, you've got to know and understand the Word of God. And the only way you can know and understand the Word of God is not just attending church once a week or infrequently and hear the preacher preach or the teacher preach. You yourself have to spend time in this book every single day searching the Scriptures, absorbing the Scriptures, believing the Scriptures. As you'll see this morning, we're going to comb through verses 3 through 14 if time allows And there's one phrase, there's one phrase that is going to scream to you from these pages this morning, and it's a very familiar phrase, and the phrase is this, it's all about Jesus. Would you say that with me this morning? It's all about Jesus. And I want to prove it to you, if there's any doubt left in you. After seven years, you ought to be fairly convinced that it's not about you. In seven years, you ought to be fairly convinced it's not about me. In seven years, you ought to be fairly convinced. You know what? It really is all about Jesus. Let's dig in. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is praising God here. That's what blessed or blessed means. Paul is telling us, hey, by the will of God we've been saved By the will of God, we are now saints. By the will of God, we are saved saints and we're faithful and we're living under the grace of God and we're filled with the peace of God and there's nothing left to do other than know that, understand that, live that and praise God for it. Praise Jesus for it. Blessed, worship, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has, here we go, are you ready? who has blessed us, what's those next two words? Wow, there it is, you see? Who has blessed us in Christ with every, say every. Say it one more time. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's all of them. He's left nothing out, okay? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, there's in him. So we've already seen in Christ and in him. That's the theme of this book. That's the theme of this letter. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, was you born? No. So God didn't choose you because you were handsome or beautiful. God didn't choose you because you were rich or poor. God didn't choose you because you're black or white. God didn't choose you for anything about you. He chose you because of his good pleasure. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us believers, those of us who are saved. He has chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. Listen, that we should be holy and blameless before him. How are we holy and blameless before him? In Jesus Christ. 
You follow me around a week or two, and you'll say, uh-oh. Uh-oh. That preacher is not holy and blameless. And you might even approach me and say, preacher, sad to say, hired a private investigator. That's me. I've been watching you, and you're not totally holy and totally blameless. And I'll say, you know what? In me, I'm not. But in Jesus, I am. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm as perfect as Christ is. Because in him is how I will be when I get into heaven. And Jesus has already declared that I am holy and blameless because I'm a saint. I'm saved by the will of God. He says, in love. Now, we're going to talk about this in just a moment. Notice how in love is just dangling there in that verse. And it seems like it actually ought to go in the other verse. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself. We were not always his people, but now we are his people. The Jews were his chosen people in the Old Testament, but as we roll into the New Testament, we too, the non-Jews, have been adopted into the family of God. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters. I'll add daughters. I'm not adding to or taking from the Word of God. But as we see that the children through Jesus Christ, according to what? Purpose of whose will? Yeah. According to the purpose of his will. It's by the will of God I've been saved, right? It's by the will of God I've been placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he chose us and he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Christ is the only way to the Father. Can I get an amen? He's the one and only way to the Father according to the purpose of his will. Again, to the praise of His glorious grace. We're praising God for this. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. Who's the beloved? The Lord Jesus Christ. All the blessings that we're going to study about today come to us only through Jesus Christ. You can't have these blessings apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way you get these blessings is to get into Jesus Christ, the beloved. In Him, to further prove my point. Prove, not proving my point, proving the point of Scripture. In Him, in Jesus Christ, we have redemption. Praise God. In Him we have redemption through His blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of our trespasses, again, according to the riches of His what? Yeah, Paul says, grace and peace to you from God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, which He has lavished upon us. Now that's not just a tidbit. That's the supply that is so huge that it can only flow from heaven. He has lavished upon us His grace in all of His wisdom, in all of His insight, making known to us the mystery of His will. Until the Lord Jesus Christ was born, until the Lord Jesus Christ lived a sinless life, until the Lord Jesus Christ went to Calvary, until the Lord Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, that plan was a great mystery. But now it's no longer a mystery because God has opened our blinded eyes and allowed us to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we've been let in on the mystery. According to, again, whose purpose? His purpose, not my purpose, not your purpose, not the worldly purpose, but according to His purchase, which He set forth in Christ. There it is again, isn't it? In Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time. In other words, God works on a timetable, and things only work on His timetable, not yours and not mine. And you ought to praise God for that. You say, Brother Steve, I can't praise Him for that, because if He would work on my timetable, my life would be a whole lot better. No, it wouldn't. It'd be in worse shambles than it is right now. It's in the mess it's in right now because of you, and you think you can fix it? 
No, you need to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and pray as the Lord did, not my will, but your will be done. God, I'm willing to live on your timetable. In the fullness of time that he would unite all things. Wow, there it is. In him, in Christ. Things in heaven. Things on the earth. Guess what the next two words are? Anybody want to take a guess? In him. In him, in Christ, we have obtained, we've received an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, his purpose again, who works all things according to the counsel of whose will? His will. So that we who were the force to... You want to know where this fellowship got its name? Right there. Right there is why this congregation is known as Hope in Christ Fellowship. Ephesians chapter 1, that's where it came from. Because we are, we are, along with everyone since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are the first to do what? Hope in Christ. And that's the foundation. That's our entire foundation. We are the first to hope in Christ. And since we are all saints saved by the will of God and full of grace and full of peace, we're a fellowship, aren't we? So hope in Christ fellowship, that's who we are. That we might be the praise of His glory. We exist to bring God glory. Can I get an amen? That's what it's all about. You thought that was all? It's getting gooder. In Him, you also... When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be sealed with the promised Holy Spirit? It means that he, Jesus Christ, he, the Holy Spirit of God, he is the guarantee, say guarantee. He's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The title of today's message is this, The Blessings or the Benefits of Believers Who Are in Christ. Again, we're studying who do you think you are. And I need you to know, and I, and I beg you to come to know who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it'll catapult you, it'll absolutely catapult you out of despair and into your destiny. I'm telling you folks, this is where peace comes from. This is where joy comes from. Know who you are. Know who you are. Doesn't matter who you was born to. Doesn't matter who raised you, how you was raised. Doesn't matter if you was poor or rich. Doesn't matter what your race or ethnicity or your nationality is. It doesn't matter which side of the tracks you were brought up on. You have been born again. You have been born brand new, made brand new in the Lord Jesus Christ, the first to hope in Christ. And you are a saint of God, and the treasures of heaven belong to you. And because you're in Christ Jesus, you have all the benefits of heaven that Jesus Christ himself has. Does that change your life any at all? It should. It should. My goodness, it should. Now this passage of scripture that I just shared with you, verses 3 through 14, in the original manuscript, before they added chapters and verses and numbers and those types of things, that portion of this letter was one long paragraph. I mean, Paul got carried away and he didn't hush until he hushed from the Lord Holy Spirit telling him to hush. All of that entire portion of this letter was one long paragraph saying, this is the blessings, this is the benefits you have by the will of God being saved, a saint in the Lord Jesus Christ, observing and enjoying the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is this portion of Scripture? As we know, Paul not only wrote this letter, but he also wrote the letter known as the book of Romans. And he basically covers the same thing in the book of Romans in a different way. But I want to share it with you because this is just a continuation of the praise of God's eternal 
purpose. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 30. Not near as long, but it's just as potent. Look at this. And we know, say I know. Boy, I hope you do. And we know that for those who love God, do you love God this morning? For those who love God, all things, say all things, all things work together for good. Brother Steve, when the Bible says all things, does it mean everything? Yes. Does it mean the good things? Yes. Does it mean the bad things? Yes. Does it mean the positive things? Yes. Does it mean the negative things? Yes. Does it mean the things I enjoy? Yes. Does it mean the things I don't enjoy? Yes. Does it mean the things that bring me pleasure? Yes. Does it mean the things that bring me pain? Yes. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. For those who are called, again, according to whose purpose? There you go. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. We talked about being conformed recently, didn't we? That we would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. God's will for your life and God's will for my life is that we all become just like Jesus Christ in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now back in verse 3. Blessed be, what we're going to do, we're going to take verses 1 through, uh, we're going to take verses 3 through 13. And we're just going to look for the blessings or the benefits that are ours. In Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about those this morning. Now here in verse 3, notice it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying? Paul is encouraging all believers to give praise to, number one, God the Father who elects, or God the Father who chooses His children. And he's telling us that we need to praise God, the Son who redeems or who saves us. And we also need to praise God the Holy Spirit who seals us or who guarantees our our eternal inheritance. Now folks, this is knowing who you are so that you spend every waking moment of your life praising God for what He has lavished upon your life. He, He could have, and listen to me carefully, He would have been fully justified. He would have been fully justified that everyone, including Adam and Eve, all throughout history, every human being, God would have been fully justified if He sent every single one of us to hell. He would have still been God. He would have still been gracious. He would have still been merciful. He would have still been perfect. He would have been perfectly justified because the wages of sin is death. How many people that has ever lived on planet earth ever sinned? So every human human belongs in hell. But God doesn't permit that. And because you know you deserve eternity in hell, and because you know that now you're a saint and you're going to spend eternity in heaven, that ought to radically change your life. And you should be pursuing the kingdom of God with everything in you. And this world should look like the pitiful, pitiful place it is. But yet we spend a lifetime chasing it. Most of our time, most of our energy, most of our resources are spent chasing a dying world. Do you know who you are? Because when you know who you are, you know how to live. Paul is also emphasizing our election, that is our being chosen. When were we chosen? When when God laid eyes on us? When God summed us up? No, God chose us before the foundation of the world. He's also emphasizing our forgiveness of sin. Now, we were chosen in, in the past, 
But we've been forgiven when? In the present. And our future inheritance is when? When we get to glory. So we need to praise God for the past, we need to praise God for the present, and we need to praise God for the future. I want you to notice again the repetition of the phrases in Christ and in Him. In Christ and in Him. Brother Steve, what, what, what is the purpose of the, reputa- the, the repetition of in Christ and in Him? Paul is screaming, it's not about you! It's not about me, the Apostle Paul. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He says, in the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. Now, two of the other five instances where this phrase appears in Ephesians have a bearing on what it means right here. In Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 22, it says, And He, God the Father... Put all things under His feet, the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ and gave Jesus as head, as King of kings and Lord of lords. He he gave Him head over what? All things to the church. Are, are you part of the church? Well, Brother Steve, I've not yet became a member. I ain't talking about membership in the local body. I'm saying, do you belong to the universal church? Every born-again saved person that has ever walked the face of the earth is part of the universal church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when he says all things to the church, all things to the church, Christ was raised from the dead. Christ was raised from the dead. And he is currently seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is physically at, in the heavenly places. From where he now, and ever since he ascended from earth back to heaven, he has been seated at the right hand of the Father, where he is sovereignly and providentially ruling and governing all things to the church, or all things for the sake of the church. There are Christians all over the planet Earth today running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Worried to death. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It just keeps getting worse and worse in this old world. Bible says so. What are we going to do? i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to be who we are. You don't sound very sure about that. Now, now this sermon can go short or this sermon can go very long based upon your getting this. See, I showed up with a goal this morning. My goal is to convince you who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the sooner you get who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ, the sooner we'll get on to the baptizing in the corn maze. Somebody said, I got it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is in charge of all things for all times everywhere. Steve, seriously? Yes, seriously. And all things are working together for the good. Brother Steve, Washington, D.C. is working for the church's good. You got it. Brother Steve, how is that possible? I don't know. I'm not God. And I'm not the Lord Jesus Christ. At best, I can see this. God sees it all. Good, bad, and otherwise, it's all working for the good of those who love the Lord because Christ, the risen Savior, is seated on His throne and He's governing all things and He is the head of all things for the good pleasure and the good purpose of the church. That's who we are. And here is where it gets really, really good. Christ's victory over death has won believers a great number of blessings and a great number of benefits. How many, Brother Steve? What did Scripture say? Every 
every spiritual blessing that you can imagine, you don't even have to ask for. You don't even have to pray for. Because when God saved you, He put it in a zip folder, and He downloaded it into you through the person of the Holy Spirit. So why haven't you unzipped it yet? Come on, church. Huh? Who are you? Just an old sinner saved by the grace of God. You're a saint. You're a saint. You're a child of God. And Christ has already given you every spiritual blessing. It's yours. It's yours. Well, Brother Steve, name a few, and I'll see if I can catch on. Thank you. I believe I will. Number one. Well, let's finish this up. Every spiritual blessing and raised us up positionally today. We, we remain on planet Earth for just a time. But positionally, through the seal of the Holy Spirit, through the guarantee of the Holy Spirit that we're going to heaven one day, positionally, we have already been raised up with Jesus Christ and seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? You're as good as there. All you got to do to get there is just die. Well, that makes death look a little different than I've always thought about it. Amen! Paul said to live is Christ. As long as I'm living, I'm going to live as a saint of God. And I'm going to be full of grace and joy and peace and wonder and excitement and praise. And that's the way I'm going to live my life. And the worst thing could possibly happen to me is I will close my eyes in death. And the second I close my eyes in death, I'm in glory for all of eternity. We can't lose. We can't lose. Number one. The number one best benefit in the entire list is this. God chose you. God chose you. Not because of you and not in spite of you, but God chose you because God wanted to choose you. God chose you. Verse 4. Even as He, say He, even as He, God, chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. In love. Again, Paul rejoices in the fact that God has graciously and God has mercifully chose people. And He chooses people to be in an intimate, loving, and eternal relationship with Himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. But see, how does that happen? Romans 8, 29 through 33 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. And because of that, Boy, this gets good. I may explode before this is over. Somebody come clean me up when it's done and please put me back together so I can keep preaching for the glory of God. What then? What then shall we say to these things? Do you know who you are? If God is for you, who can be against you? And there's only one biblical answer. Nobody. Nobody. If God is for us, who can be against us? Because then you know the heart of God is this following verse. God, God the Father, who did not spare His own Son. How much does He love you enough to give His only Son to make you His son and make you His daughter? He chose you. He handpicked you. You are His this morning. He gave His own Son 
for us all, all that are saved. He gave His Son for all of us. How will He not also with Him graciously do what? Yes. Give us all things. Look at this. It gets gooder. I don't know if I can finish this today or not. Jeremy, you on standby, brother. I may just leave out and you have to come finish. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Who, who can bring any charge against the chosen ones who are in Christ? Who can bring any charge against the saint of God? Nobody. Nobody. Why? We're in Christ. We're in Christ. Because it is God who justifies. If God says you're a saint, shut up. You're a saint. And I give you permission to lovingly tell anybody else who says you ain't, you tell them in the name of Jesus, I love you with the love of Jesus, but shut your mouth. I know who I am. And I'm proud of who I am. Not, it's, I'm not proud of me because I'm nothing. I'm proud of the Lord Jesus Christ who saved me and redeemed me and called me a saint of God. Now some theologians suggest that in him means that God somehow foresaw. Now did it say foreknew or did it say foresaw? Foreknew. Some theologians suggest that in him means God foresaw who would have faith in Christ and on that basis elected or chose them. But here's the problem with that. Not only does this suggest wrongly, not only does this suggestion add a thought to the Scripture that's not there, that is adding to the Word of God, But Paul goes on in other portions of Scripture and teaches us that the very state of being in Christ Jesus is something to which believers can only obtain by being chosen by God. The only way you can belong to God is to be chosen by God. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, For consider your calling. Consider your calling. Brothers, sisters, children of God, Now, right here, right here is where you'll find me. I'm in this next line, okay? Not many of you were wise. I'm serious. I I was not wise enough to go to Christ. I was not wise enough to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. See average, proud of it, got a diploma, huh? Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, born to the right people. I mean, how many of you all chose who you were born to? Exactly. But, say but. But God chose what is foolish to the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose, now here's all of us. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that human beings, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Do you know why Jesus was a nobody when he came to earth? Because God chose the nobodies to call all the rest of the nobodies to come to Him and become the somebodies. And because of Him, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of Him, you are in Jesus Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. Now see, we, we were not wise according to the worldly standard, but now we're the most wise people on the planet because we've been filled with the wisdom of God. Righteousness. Our righteousness is this what, church? But now we've been given the righteousness of Christ. And sanctification, that progression.
progressively cleaning up, being less like us and more like like Jesus Christ, and full-blown redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul is saying plainly, Paul is saying plainly that the sole ground of God's predestinating and God's choosing love is His own good pleasure. God's own good pleasure. Verse 5 says, God predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons and daughters, as children, through the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. In verse 10, as a plan. See, God always has a plan. And how many knows that God's plan is a perfect plan? As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, and things on the earth. Now, this began in the Old Testament. Let's look to the book of Deuteronomy and see how this all began with the nation of Israel. God said, it was not because of you, Israel. It was not because of you. Hey, church, it wasn't because of you. It was because of God's good pleasure. He chose us before the foundation of time. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord said His love on you. There's the bottom line. God did it because He loves us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's not because of you. And it was not because you're greater than any number of the other people that God set His love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. You were the least likely to be chosen, but God chose you. But it is because the Lord loves you. There it is again. There's only one reason you're saved today. God loves you. In spite of you, God loves you. In spite of me, God loves me. And in his keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Romans chapter 9. So then it depends not on human will or exertion. Do you know what I had to do with being chosen to be saved by Almighty God? Nothing. I can't boast in me whatsoever. So then it depends not on human will or human exertion, but on who? God and God alone. Who has mercy? Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus. When? Before time began. Knowing. God knows. God foreknew, didn't He? God knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or without blemish. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but He was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through Him are believers in God. Wow, is this not a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story of redemption? Who do you think you are? This is you. Christian, this is you. Please know it. Please live it. Who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and your hope is in God. And all who dwell on the earth worship it. This, 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 this is contrary to what we're saying. This is those who did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world, that's us.
whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. Our name was written in the Lamb's book of life when, church? Before the foundation of the world. Who's going to be in hell for all of eternity? Everyone whose name was not written in the book before the foundation of the world. Number two, in Christ, in Christ, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you believe, if you are in Christ, you are holy and you are blameless. Say, I'm holy and blameless. You are if you're a Christian. That's who you are. Verse 4, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Chapter 5, verse 27, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing that she might be made holy and without blemish. That's who we are right now in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 1, last week I shared with you, did I not? There is therefore now no condemnation. When is now? Now. Right now there's no condemnation to those who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 22. He, Jesus Christ, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you, say me, me the church, the Christian, present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. That's who you are right now, church. That's who you are. That's who you are. God intends to bring His elect, His called, His chosen ones, all the way from the depths of spiritual death and trespasses and sin to to the pinnacle of full forgiveness of sin in Christ, and finally, the elimination of all sin from our human experience. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you were, say were, is were present tense or past tense? And you were, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once past walked, Following the course of this world. Before you came to Christ, you belonged to the world and the world belongs to Satan. You belonged to Satan before you came to Christ. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, the spirit, little s, evil spirit, demon spirit, spirit of the Antichrist that is now at work in all of the sons and daughters of disobedience. You're either filled with the Holy Spirit or the Antichrist spirit. One of the two among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, by birth, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, say but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which He did what? He loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been Saved. Chapter 4 of Ephesians. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to do what? Walk. Live. Know who you are. Know who you belong to. Know all the blessings. Know the benefits that's been given to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. So knowing who you are, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Do it with all humility and gentleness and patience and bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. Church, are you catching on? Boy, I hope so. For real, I hope so. This will revolutionize your life. The last two words of that verse right there is what we're going to focus on for just a moment. In love. In love. Now, why is it dangling on the end of verse 4? Why is it not at the beginning of verse 5? If in love belongs with verse 4, then it explains the nature of the holiness and blamelessness to which all of us as believers are called. And this is consistent with the use of the phrase elsewhere in the book of Ephesians. But if it belongs at the beginning of verse 5, 
The phrase explains that predestination is not simply a matter of God's decision, but an act of His unfailing love. Either, either way, it means God loves us. Amen? Either way, it means God loves us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. His will. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. Why did God choose Israel? Because he loved him. He loved Israel and called him my son, my son. Again, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. Let me just browse through those. We've read those several times. Let's move on to number 3. Number three, of the blessings and benefits of being in Christ, we have been adopted into the family of God. Verse five, he predestined us for adoption. Say adoption. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, we're told the same thing. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We've been given the right to call God Father, Because He chose us, because He elected us, because He predestined us as His children. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we are the children of God, then we are heirs. We have an inheritance coming our way. We are heirs of God. Do you see this? Fellow heirs with Christ. I have a brother and I have a sister. And when mom goes to glory, we are going to inherit what's left. And we're going to, we're going to inherit it equally. Jesus Christ in Steve And all of you that are Christians, we have already inherited what God has given us. And we are equally joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. What is Jesus's is yours right now. Say right now. Are you living that way right now? Say no. Be honest. Everybody do this. Because you aren't, are you? Well, Brother Steve, how do I do it? I think Romans chapter 12, verse 1 comes to mind. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. You cannot hold on to the world and hold on to the blessings of God at the same time. And I, like you, don't fully know exactly how to do that because we are so engulfed in the world, we really don't know how to turn loose and let go. Am I right? But Steve, what does that really, 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 really mean? And we'll talk about that. 
And we'll talk about that going forward. We've been adopted. We've been adopted. Verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. The thought of God's, I don't know a good adjective to put to this. How do you describe God's love? You know, extravagant, unending, on and on and on and on. But because of God's almighty love, the thought of God's almighty love leads to an extravagant outpouring of praise to God from His children. I'm just going to throw this in for free. This don't cost you anything today. It has behooved me for 27 years why pastors have to spend any ounce of time or energy trying to convince people to come together for corporate worship and praise Almighty God. And there's only one reason people don't outside of the old terminology of being providentially hindered. You're either out of county, out of state, out of the nation. You're sick, can't get here. Broke down, can't get here. I'm talking about people that just go, I don't think I'll go to church today. Help me understand that. You was running wide open on the highway to hell. And God arrested you and screamed to the top of His lungs, I love you, and saved you and redeemed you and put you on the highway to heaven and has given you everything we're talking about. And we don't spend every moment of the rest of our life in full dedication to praising Him with all of our being? To the praise of His glorious grace. Grace. Amazing grace. Huh? How sweet the sound that did what? Saved a what? Yeah, and and he took you from being a wretch to being a saint. To the praise. See, that should cause us to praise him. Notice that the word beloved is singular. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the what? In the beloved, this recalls the language of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. See, in the beginning there was just one son, but now there's billions of sons and daughters because of the one. Because of the one. But it also brings into view Jesus himself as an object of God's electing love. 1 Peter 1, 18-21 Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers and not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. He, Jesus Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God. Only through him are you believers in God. Who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Are in God. What do we see here is redemption is understood in terms of the forgiveness of sin And it's something that has already been given by God and already received by us. Did you know today that every sin you ever committed, every sin you are presently committing, or even every sin...
you will ever commit in the future is already forgiven and already under the blood and already covered by the grace of God. Because you're God's child. You've been redeemed. You're a saint of God. Redemption also means, get this, redemption also means that we've been delivered from the power of sin. Sin no longer rules over us. We've been delivered from the penalty of sin. We're no longer guilty before God. And we already have been delivered from the guilt of sin by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We're going to hit the pause button right there. That's half of what we was going to do today, but we got a lot more to do today. And by the looks of some of you all, I think some of your cups are overflowing. You just, can't, you just can't take who you are, can you? That's a whole lot to digest. Look back in your listening guide right quick. And let's just review for just a moment. What was number one? Who are we in Christ? We're the chosen ones, aren't we? D- does that excite you a little bit? Amen. Number two, who are we in the Lord Jesus Christ? What are some of the blessings and benefits He's given us? We are holy and blameless. Don't, don't you just feel like you came and took a holy shower this morning? Huh? You, you just washed clean. You was already washed clean, but you should have been reminded that you are, as a saint of God, you're holy and blameless. Number three, we've been adopted. We've been adopted. Is that as far as we got? Wow, that's a lot, wouldn't it? Well, you can go home today knowing that you're not astray. You've been adopted. And God loves you, and God cares for you deeply. Michelle, you all come on this morning.